We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, this is Jermaine O'Neal, and you're listening to Setting a Pace on paceoftalk.net. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I am joined today by the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club. Give it up, ladies and gentlemen, for the one and only Michael Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Nothing much. One last roster spot to fill on this team, so things are getting interesting. I mean, you would think basketball is right around the corner when it really isn't, but that's just how excited I am to fill out this roster right now. Absolutely. This is episode number 44, Fachi. When you think of 44, who is the first pacer that comes to mind? Honestly, it's Austin Crozier. It really is. Some of those glory days, but got to give a shout out to my man, Bogey. And also, you know, kind of a fan of the podcast, maybe not, but he tweeted at us once, Solomon Hill. <laughs> yeah, Solomon Hill uh, had a good season with the Pacers before he got paid big bucks by the Pelicans. Now he's been traded like twice, I think. I don't even know what team he's on right now, but... Anyway, I think he might. I think he's on Memphis, but Hawks. I, I think it the was Hawks? the Hawks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So whatever team he's on, we appreciate the love, Solomon Hill. Keep it real, my man. But anyway, we are here to talk about the recent roster moves that the Pacers made. So Fachi, you mentioned we have one spot left. What signings did the Pacers make over the last couple weeks? So Pacers had a, a few interesting names. I mean, the first, the highlight is Justin Holiday. I guy. really like that move. That, was my that guy is that someone. I that is definitely your guy. Alex has been <laughs> preaching Justin Holiday for weeks now, maybe even a month. Then they also signed Amida Brima, uh, kind of a, a shocker. This is former UConn Husky, kind of a guy who's been in the G League with the Spurs the last few years, and the Nets Summer League team. He's a seven-footer, rim protector. I thought it was a very, you know, out-of-nowhere kind of move. Right, and then right. lastly, Jakar Sampson, a uh, 6'9 wing uh, recently played at the Chicago Bulls. Small sample size, only four games last year. But 
he was dominating. He's kind of someone who's bounced around the league, kind of someone who I label exactly on the cusp of G League and maybe being like the 15th man on a team. That shows how thin the talent level is in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. And, and honestly, like, I'm not going to get too worked up about Jakar Sampson or, or Brema. These are guys that won't be seeing the court very much. They'll probably be seeing more time in Fort Wayne. Um, Sampson's deal is partially guaranteed, I believe, so it'll be interesting to see what the Pacers do with him. Will he make that final roster spot with the 15-man rotation? We'll see what happens. But the guy that I want to talk about most here is Justin Holiday. Aaron Holiday's brother. Now we got two Holidays. We got three TJs. What a chance for the Pacers to be really confusing out there, uh, trying to call those games. Chris Denary, Mark Boyle. I feel bad for you, but um, but for sure, I just love this pickup. And they gave him the full mid level that we had. It was four point eight million dollars. So that mid level was, or that not mid level, but that room exception was not what we thought it was going to be in the five point five five point eight range. It was about a million dollars less. So we are going to be bringing him. in onto the roster, my biggest question is, where does he fit in this rotation? Because we got a lot of wings right now. So I was kind of drawing out my own little depth chart, and it looks like for right now, with Oladipo out, I see him as the backup two guard behind Jeremy Lamb. Right. That's kind of where I see him at. Now, this isn't the best news for Edmund Sumner because, you know, Holiday can play the two and the three, and Sumner can play one through three, but you're not going to really see him at point guard. So I see him as the backup two for Jeremy Lamb right now, which he could also play some small forward if Doug McDermott isn't cutting it. But I see you know, Lamb starting at the two, T.J. Warren starting at the three, and Holiday coming off the bench. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think he's going to be starting at all. There's no way about that. So now let's, no. let's, let's think about this because right now, to me, I think the battle to watch for is that backup wing position between McDermott and Justin Holiday. And we know when Oladipa comes back, Jeremy Lamb's going to slide into that six-man role. He's going to be getting the minutes. Who will get the minutes next to Jeremy Lamb is the question. And I think that's going to be between Doug and that's going to be between Justin Holiday. And I don't know, based on what I've seen over the years, I would almost rather have Justin Holiday out there than Doug McDermott just, just for defensive purposes because we don't have a lot of defensive wings. We still don't have anybody that's big enough to guard Giannis. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about that matchup so much right now. Brogdon is probably our best chance at guarding guarding Giannis, and he's six foot what five six five so it's yeah. i mean you could put tj warren on him i don't really like that i mean unless warren develops some kind of defensive game he's never shown it uh i don't really like the idea of putting sabonis on him that makes me nervous as i'll get out so yeah i agree. not having a thaddeus young type player to guard a guy like Giannis is very frightening and while we did go out and sign justin holiday who's a wing defender there is no way he could hang with Giannis whatsoever no and that's a tall task to ask, but what I do like the difference between McDermott and Holiday, as you mentioned, it's defense. You know, Holiday finished 11th in total steals last year on the year, so he is a more than capable defender. Also, more than capable three-point shooter. He's not going to blow you away, but shot over 41% on three from uh, catch-and-shoot threes. Um, and I just think that that's someone who, you know, you, you got to think that why can't he give us you know, 36, 37% from three off the bench with bringing defense. I mean, that's that's pretty appealing when a guy like McDermott isn't getting the shots to fall down and you know you're not getting defense from him. Right. So I think it's just a move overall that just kind of solidifies the depth. I think that, like I said uh, a few podcasts ago, there's no one better to get the most out of you than your older brother. And I think that Justin Holiday is going to get that out of Aaron Holiday. I think he's really going to push him to the next level 
and it's just something that it'll never show up in a box score, but I think it's going to help Holiday overall. Aaron Holiday, that is, because <laughs> the confusion starts now. It does. And, you know, one thing I've been hearing a couple of different podcasts debate is, Will T.J. McConnell push Aaron Holiday for those backup point guard minutes? I mean, McConnell is rumored to be signing on July 29th, so we're not too far away from that. But once McConnell comes in here, do you think he's really going to be pushing Holiday, Aaron, for those minutes? I do. And I remember we talked about it right when that McConnell signing happened. And fans were, you know, pretty irate at just the thought of Aaron Holiday losing any minutes. But we saw from the Summer League that – Aaron Holiday, while he's very talented, you know, it's going to take some time. I mean, he only shot 30% in the summer league. Well, T.J. McConnell I mean, is a – is a, yeah, but well, T.J. McConnell well, is a pesky you this. guy. Do, do you really consider the summer league as a, you know, a true evaluation, you know, place to evaluate somebody's talent? Because you got to think about all the new players he was playing with. Half the guys were injured that were on the team last year. He's not playing with any traditional big man that can actually run a pick and roll – it, it's they didn't even really have an offense, I don't even believe. So to me, it was kind of like, yeah, he was a little bit sloppy. He put up some points in garbage time. But, I mean, can I really sit there and say, well, this is who Aaron Holiday is? I mean, we saw what he did last year in the NBA, and when he got time, he was inconsistent. But I think that his ceiling is so much higher than McConnell's. I yes. would be flabbergasted if McConnell took any of his minutes unless he was hurt or unless he was just completely slumping so bad that McMillan was like, okay, we've got to do something because he's playing so bad. But at the end of the day, I just I just don't see McConnell really pushing Holiday for those minutes. And I know that I might be the only one saying this, but I just feel like TJ McConnell is going to be exactly what Kyle O'Quinn was last year. Kyle O'Quinn played when Turner and Sabonis were out or when Thaddeus Young was out. Whenever there was an injury, you saw O'Quinn come into that rotation. But he didn't see the court unless there was foul trouble or there was an injury. And I think that's exactly what McConnell's role will be. He will not see the court unless there's an injury or foul trouble. I might be completely off, but I just don't think that he's going to take away from Holiday's minutes because they wouldn't have given up, you know, on Collison and Corey Joseph if they didn't believe Holiday could be the backup. Look, Aaron Holiday gets every shot at being that backup point guard, but TJ McConnell is going to push him every step of the way. And I think that if Aaron Holiday goes into a slump, I do believe that T.J. McConnell will be out there because he's a guy who's just now he's been around the league a couple of years. He's overcome, you know, the situation that there was like eight point guards in front of him originally when he was trying to make it in Philly and he outlasted them all. So I just think that it's a great three. Your, your third string point guard, that's a pretty good option to have. I, I think he's going to play a little bit more than Kylo Quinn. There was there was large stretches where Kylo Quinn was not seen at all. DJ McConnell, I think he's going to be a little bit more involved, but Aaron Holiday, make no mistake about it, way higher ceiling and all the potential in the world to to make it happen. So he's going to be given a large leash, a very long one this year, and he deserves it. Well, we're just going to have a lot of guards that are going to cut into McConnell getting playing time. I mean, you think about it, when Oladipo's healthy, you're going to have both Holiday brothers, you're going to have Lamb, you're going to have Brogdon and uh, Oladipo. That's five guys right there that are going to be getting those guard minutes over TJ McConnell, in my opinion. Even if you want to, even if you want to say he gets in there over Aaron at some points because Aaron's struggling. What if Justin's playing really well? Justin could play the point guard. He played the point guard some for the Bulls last year as well. So, I, I, I mean, I could see him getting some of the point guard minutes. Where to me, McConnell, he can't shoot the three. He's limited on what he can do. Yes, he's a scrapper. Yes, they might need that type of person to come into a game every once in a while just to change the pace, you know, because you can't always just be setting the pace. 
but you have to change oh, it yeah. sometimes. <laughs> but, sure. um, but anyway, what I'm saying is I just don't think that there's going to be enough minutes for McConnell to get a real shot here. And you have to also look at McDermott and Warren are going to be getting wing minutes as well. So it's just one of those things where we have so many guards that I'm a little bit worried about our front court depth. And I wouldn't be surprised that if we maybe move one of these guards when the season uh, before the trade deadline. I know that's a little bit premature. Very possible. We're just going to have to. I just, I just don't trust TJ Leaf right now. I don't trust Doug McDermott. I think that they have enough wings that can kind of mask the hole that Doug McDermott might leave. McDermott can be a very tradable contract because he's very cheap and he's around seven and a half million. So that's very movable. But outside of Sabonis and Turner, you've got Goga, TJ Leaf, Alize Johnson, Jakar Sampson, and Brita. I mean, you got and you know you just got guys that aren't proven. And that's a big area of concern. I am so worried about that position still. The, the backup four is so up in the air, it's ridiculous. Do you think that Samson was brought in to push TJ Leaf? Like kind of just one of those where the, the, the guarantee is very minimal. But it's one of those where, come on, I mean, are we rolling into the season? you got to bring in Jakar Samson to push TJ Leaf, TJ Leaf shouldn't be in the league. TJ Leaf should be pushing himself because this is a contract year. He should be pushing it, it, himself to even exist in the NBA after the season's over, period. He he should, but there's a guy like Jakar Sampson who's clawing, scratching, clawing. He's on the cusp. If he can get a deal and stay in the NBA, his life will change. TJ uh, Leaf, he's been on the team for a couple of years. I, don't, I hope that he's not satisfied because he's got a lot more to prove to everybody. But Jakar Sampson is fighting for his life out there. And I know it's just a four-game sample size last year for the Bulls. He looked good. And at this point, hey, I'm sure he's gotten better over the offseason. I personally haven't heard anything about TJ Leaf's offseason. Personally, I know it might sound disrespectful. I would have liked to see him dominate in summer league. <laughs> I don't I – don't, well, I mean, it's not going to make me feel better if we see one of those classic open gym videos that everyone's putting out. But can someone get a, a, an update on TJ Leaf out here? Yeah, and I mean, in all honesty, once a playoff comes, it usually goes down to a nine-man rotation. Doug McDermott got completely outplayed at the rotation last year against Celtics. They even put Aaron Holiday in over him. And I know people are, like, all worried about Holiday and the rotation with McConnell. It's like, look, they were playing Holiday last year in the playoffs over Doug McDermott. So, to me, I don't think McConnell's going to be stealing any minutes, especially from that. But what I will say is that if Goga is somebody they can rely on as that backup center to get – 16 minutes a game where he can kind of back up Turner in that fives position where Turner gets 32 minutes and then the other 16 go to Goga. I think that we could be seeing a lot of Jeremy Lamb with TJ Warren at that four three position where Lamb's playing the three and where Warren is playing the backup four. Similar how we saw, um, I forget who came in early, but a lot of times we had a sub come in early and Thad went to the bench. It might have been Sabonis. I think that's who it was. So Sabonis would come in early and Thad would go to the bench and then he'd come back and take Turner's spot. That way they had those three big men. And I could see where we use TJ Warren as the backup four for a good stretch of times throughout the season and throughout the playoffs. I I really like that idea of bringing in TJ Warren bringing in Lamb early in that first quarter for Warren with Oladipo and Brogdon and then subbing out Sabonis and or Turner and allowing Warren to come in for one of them and play that power forward position. What are your thoughts on that? 
I like it a lot because we fully know that T.J. Warren is 100% capable of playing the four. That's what he was playing last year in Phoenix. So maybe that is their thought process right there of, hey, we just got to get through when Oladipo's here and then we can slide Warren down. Um, Because Jeremy Lamb, I do think, is going to be a big contributor to this team, as is T.J. Warren. But I do think that Warren, with the capability of playing backup four minutes, makes him almost that much more valuable, even if he is coming off the bench. Um, But I got a question for you. Yeah. Who logs more minutes next year, uh, Edmund Sumner or T.J. McConnell? Total minutes. Total minutes. I would say that'd be T.J. McConnell for sure. I think Sumner's Sumner should be worried about where he's at right now because they just I signed him so. to an extension and they just added more wing depth. He could be somebody they cut. And he could be somebody they trade. I, I'd i be worried about Sumner, and I think that the Pacers are concerned about his health issues. I, I think they are also because I think they had a lot more faith in Sumner about a month ago than they do now. And when you think about some of the other guys that have been brought in recently, it's not looking great for Edmund Sumner. And, and maybe that foot is a little bit more of an issue. And I really hope this isn't going to be kind of like a lost, you know, first half of the season for him because it's going to be tough for him to jump some of those guys in, in the lineup. There's a lot more established guys that are kind of bringing a lot to the table now. And Sumner, it, the Summer League really it could have benefited him. It could have, and I I feel bad for the guy. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to completely just write him off because I think they have invested in him. For them to give him the extension as well as go sign all these guys, they do have some bit of hope that he can become something. I don't think that they necessarily think he's going to be a game changer, but somebody they can rely on. He's a good defender, don't get me wrong. Like He played pretty well in that last game against the Hawks when it was a throwaway game. He's got skill. But I do think, like I mentioned earlier, having all these wings at reasonable contracts, they could package a couple of these players together. Whether it's, I mean, just think about this. I'm not making a trade, but a lot of people were talking about Marcus Morris to the Pacers. He makes fifteen bucks or fifteen million dollars for the Knicks. So fifteen he, bucks sounds yeah, a lot more appealing. <laughs> right, fifteen million dollars is what I meant to say. Excuse me, but that's what he's making for the Knicks. And you look at Leaf and McDermott's numbers, it's about 11. But if you throw McConnell in there or you throw Sumner in there, that gets you something back uh, where you're not having to take on so much salary cap back. And it actually makes the, the trade more even cap-wise where you might be able to throw in a couple second-rounders that you gained or whatever. So that intrigues me. And I think that's part of the reason they got some of these guys on these shorter deals for cheaper uh, where they can kind of patch a hole so a depot gets back and then maybe flip them for something. That's something to keep an eye on as, as well for me. Marcus Morris will be moved next year. You think that, so? That I do. That contract, one year, fifteen million, with the amount of power forwards they have over there. I think the Knicks saw that as an opportunity to pick up an asset. Yeah. Uh, I thought that's something that they should have been doing when they struck out on Durant and Kyrie Irving. So I think that trade is. That I mean that contract is fully traded at the deadline. And I think that would give you somebody to go guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, somebody that's yep. a little bit cheaper that I've talked about a couple times on the podcast, Jay Crowder. He's another name that could be moved because we know Memphis is not trying to win this year. And for the right price, you might be able to go get him. And you might not be able to give up Doug McDermott to get him because they don't want to take on the extra year of Doug's contract. But if you give him somebody that's, you know, younger, that's interesting. I mean, this this also, to me, we've talked about how much we like Aaron Holiday, but this also gives them more of an opportunity to trade Holiday as well. All these wings that they're getting and guys that can handle the point guard position because we know Oladipo can play, we know Brogdon can play it, and I believe Justin Holiday can play it too. So if they find a trade out there that they really like and Aaron Holiday can be the sweetener in the deal to make this team better, I think that they'd be more apt to trade him now than they were last season. I think so. I mean, obviously Holiday's value, I mean, 
I, I doubt Summer League had any effect on it, but they, they deemed Aaron Holiday as like an untouchable basically this offseason. So if you do wait a year, I mean, that could take a huge hit, but hey, I'm not going to be the one preaching to trade Aaron Holiday off of a bad Summer League. Let's give him every opportunity in the Absolutely. world to be – you know, just a great player for the Pacers. Right. And I think it should also be known that Kevin Pritchard said that Holiday's not going to be the starter, even though that's what he wants. Will Holiday be frustrated because he said he was going to fight for that starting point guard position in the Indy Stars article with Jay Michael as the season closed out. So he seems hungry. Will this push him? You know, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I like Holiday a lot. I don't want to get rid of him, but I'm just saying that he could be a valuable trade piece uh, that could help you get a little bit more talented overall in this roster. So anything else in this segment, Fachi, or are you ready to move on? Uh, one last thing. I mean, not okay. that we got the veteran that I was asking for, but, hey, we did get an older presence, Justin Holiday, 30 years old. He does have a championship ring. Uh, not that he <laughs> not that he was a real contributor to the Warriors, <laughs> but he was in that locker room. That's the stuff that you take from veterans and you pass on to other guys. So, you know, having a champion on your team, it does help. It goes beyond uh, what you're going to put up on a box score. So I think that will be helpful just to spread some positive championship vibes to this team. Awesome. Well, next coming up, we're going to take a quick break. But in our next segment, we will be looking at former international players on the Pacers franchise history as we've listed 15 players that we have ranked five dollars to one dollar we're going to build our team with 15 dollars going through all the pacer great international players so if you're interested in that make sure you stay on for the next segment as we talk about the future or about the past international players pacer fans i encourage you guys to check out pacerstalk.net we have launched a brand new website earlier this summer where we're covering the team going forward. You can look at the roster, see what new players are on the team. You can check out the articles we have, our YouTube channels on there as well. Make sure you guys check it out. And of course, you can hear all of our podcasts on PacersTalk.net. Let's get back to the show. Pacer fans, welcome back to Setting the Pace. In segment two, we're going to do a fun little exercise where we look at former and current Pacers who were born outside of the United States. Now, we have ranked 15 players from $1 to $5, and we're going to build our Pacers international team with $15. So, Fachi, let me read to you the rankings. The three players at $5, we have the Duncan Dutchman, Rick Smits. We have Detlef Shrimp, the two-time six-man of the year, and former Pacer who just left for the Utah Jazz, Bojan Bogdanovich. At the $4 mark, we have Domantas Sabonis, Peja Stojakovic, Leandro Barbosa. At the $3 mark, we have Luis Scola, Corey Joseph, and Jan Mahimi. At the $2 mark, we have Rasho Nesterovic, Sarunas Yesakavichis, and Kevin Serafin, friend of the podcast. And then at the $1 mark, we have Primoz Brezic, Damo Rudez, and the current rookie, Gogo Bataze. So with those players in mind and with the money you have to spend, Let's just go, we'll go pick for pick. Who is your first person that you're taking to build your all-time Pacers international roster? Well, I'm just going to go down from uh, point guard and down. I'm going to start with a $3 man, a guy that we all loved, Corey Joseph. He's going to be the ball handler and defensive specialist of this team. Now, it was tough for guards, but for Corey, that was someone where his defense is always going to be valuable. So I'm going with Corey Joseph to start. Good value, and I miss him. 
Yeah, so for me, I'm just going to go based off how I value these players and what I have right here. So for me, there is no way that I can have the Pacers on our national team without the greatest international Pacer, the Duncan Dutchman, Rick Smiths, anchoring my team at the center position. I know that there's a lot of bigs on this list, but the center that I want anchoring my team is a game winner against the Orlando Magic, just the, the heart and soul of that big man team in the 90s, Rick Smiths, at $5. So I only got $10 left, and it looks like you got $12 left. Alex, you're a big spender on that, but I can't knock the pick. The guy's pretty much number two in every category the Pacers have, so uh, I respect it. Now, going down, uh, my second pick, also my shooting guard. The man who didn't quite work out for the Pacers, Sarunas Yesikovicius. I mean, one of the best European point guards there is. I mean, as highly decorated as it gets. He even killed Team USA in the Summer Olympics back in the day. Uh, he's going to be my three-point guy. You know, he, he was able to really knock down some threes, distribute the ball if Corey's struggling with that a little bit. And I just think he came over to the NBA just a little too late, basically year 30, and his career was over in the NBA by year two. So right. the guards, I'm spending my $5 on Corey Joseph and Sarunas Jesikovicius. Absolutely understand that. And like I mentioned, if you look at this list, there's a lot of big guys, and the guard depth is not very strong. You know, the best <laughs> the best guard probably on this list is Leandro Barbosa. And, yes. you know, Corey Joseph is the next one, and then Sarunas, and then the, the rest of the, the thing is just – wings so uh for me i had to go with the best guard on the board it was a little pricey it was four dollars but leandro barbosa his numbers were not great with the pacers he came off the bench once we got him in a trade from the raptors he averaged 8.9 points per game with the pacers 1.5 assists and 1.0 steals per game so just somebody that i like that can kind of run the offense he's a quick guy he can get to the basket good shooter i'm going with leandro barbosa with my second pick all right. I mean, I love me some Leandro. Obviously loved him under Steve Nash and Phoenix. Those are some good years. Unfortunately, we didn't get those great years. But here's where I'm spending my money. My small forward, the German, Detlef Schrempf. Uh, I'm, I'm spending big on this one. $5, a three-time All-Star, two-time six-man of the year. Uh, this guy could honestly do it all, and I think Detlef would have been great in today's game. I mean, you're talking about – one of the original big men who was knocking down threes. Great passer. Also an awesome rebounder. I mean, one year for the Pacers averaged six assists per game. That's right. that's like some Jokic stuff right there. But you're talking about in the 90s. Yeah. So I, I think that he would be the go-to scorer on my team. And he's someone who is also going to open up the passing lane if Corey Joseph isn't really able to do that and say Sarunas is – kind of playing like he did in Indiana, I think I think Deadlift's going to help with some of the passing. That's my go-to guy on this team. Absolutely. I love Deadlift Shrimp. He was actually one of my top choices for this roster. Just couldn't figure out where to fill out the rest of the holes with him and Smith being both $5 each. You know, I, I did look at a lineup where I didn't have Smiths in it, but I had Detlef playing the point guard position at 6'9". Get a little weird here. I was going to go point Detlef, but I decided to kind of ease off that a little bit and go a little different route. But I love Detlef. And during his time for the Pacers, he averaged 17 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, and 4.1 assists. But a guy who put a big numbers in a short stint for the Indiana Pacers, a guy that I've not really been a fan of because he kind of just left the Pacers hanging. But it's Pacers Stoyakovich. During his time in Indiana, he averaged 19.5 points per game, 
6.3 rebounds per game and 1.7 assists per game. So he is my wing that I have on this roster, someone that I know can score the basketball, unselfish. He's going to just play that great European basketball that he does. Was a great pro in Sacramento. Did really good things in New Orleans as well. When he's not the you know dominant ball handler and the prominent scorer, he is just a really good guy that you can plug and play with, and that's why I had to go with him. And honestly, he had his best scoring uh, numbers with the Pacers over any other franchise he was with. So I'm going with Page of $4, and it's leaving me with just $2 left, Fachi. So I'm going to be dipping from that $1 pool here in a minute. <laughs> Hey, there's a bargain bin. There's some good guys in it. But when it came to Peja, no matter how many times it made sense, I just couldn't do it because I held a grudge against Peja. Uh, I felt you can't like take it when, personal. Oh, no. I, I took it personally. I was hurt. I felt like when we traded Ron Artest for Peja, Peja just stopped on by Indiana. I don't think that he was ever serious about staying. And I'm telling you, I remember it. Pacers were 2-0 and against the, uh, the Nets, the New Jersey Nets at the time, in the playoffs when Peja played. He didn't play the other games. He was hurt, and he moved on. And by no coincidence, we got eliminated. But while I got that off my chest and the grudge is, I guess, over, I'm going to go to my fourth pick, my power forward. I spent a little bit of cash on DeMontis Sabonis, all right? Sabonis is the guy I had to have. I think he would be an offensive force on this team. Another great passing big man, rebounder. He can pick and roll all day with Sarunas hitting him. Uh, I, I think that... The combination of Detlef and DeMontis would be just so good at being able to go, you know, inside, also being able to pass it out, uh, create open shots for a guy like Corey who, you know, kind of needs to be a bit open if he's going to knock down some threes. Right. So I spent the $4 there, and with that, I only have $1 spent. You only have $1 left, huh? One dollar left. I'll let you do yours, though. Yeah, so for me, you know, I've got Barbosa, I've got Page, I've got Smits. I feel like that's a pretty solid three. Now, I had to go down into the one dollar pool. There's three players there. Goga Bataze, Primos Brezic, and Damjan Rudez. So we call him Damo, is what a lot of Pacers fans probably remember him as. So Damo, Rudez, and Goga were the two guys that I'm going to go with here just to kind of fill up my roster. I need a Goga because while I don't really know what you know, he can become in the NBA. I do know Primo's Bresics and Rick Smith's would not be a good matchup, but we do know that Goga can stretch and hit the three. We do know that he's a decent rebounder. We know that he can block shots, and I think having a guy down there that can block shots would really help. He can spread the floor, so Smith's can be kind of the prominent big man in the post where Goga doesn't have to be at. And then Rudez, I, I'm sorry I went two in a row here. I apologize. I didn't really mean to do that. It just kind of happened. But with Rudez, he shot 41%, I believe, um, yeah, 41% from the three-point line in his time in Indiana. That is something that you can plug and play with. No, he's not a great defender. There weren't a lot of great defenders on this international team outside of Corey Joseph. So, And this was for $1. If I can get a 41% shooter with Peja, Barbosa, Goga, and Smith, I think he all spreads the floor. I really like this team, and I think it's pretty solid. So who's your final guy? I went over to the bargain bin, the dollar store, and I'm going Goga. Uh, I think right now that he's the wild card here, man. He is the rim protector that Sabonis is not. He's the guy where he can cover some of the weaknesses that Sabonis has. And we obviously know that, hey, I mean, he's a rebounder, uh, a rim protector, and it's, it's believed that he can shoot a pretty good mid-range and three. Obviously, we got to see it for ourselves, not just on YouTube. But I felt like for a dollar, there was no better value than that. 
Uh, I think that this Pacer lineup is pretty big. You know, from the three down, you got Detlift at about 6'9". You got Sabonis right over there. I believe he's at 6'10", 6'11". And then you got Goga. I mean, seven-footer. So I think that it's a pretty well-balanced team. You got a couple guys for defense. You got a couple scores. I thought for $15, I like this team. All right, so read me your roster all the way through one more time. I got Corey Joseph, Sarunas Yesikavishis, Detlef Shrimp, Demontis Sabonis, and Goga Bataze. Awesome. Well, I think our Gogas cancel each other out, obviously. Yes. So yes. I've got so I've got Smiths versus Sabonis. And for me defensively, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put Barbosa on Sarunas. I'm gonna put Damo on Corey Joseph because I know Corey Joseph is a decent ball handler, but he's not the greatest shooter, very inconsistent. And hopefully like hopefully knowing that he's not an offensive threat, I can kind of hide uh Rudez on him. And then I'm gonna put Peja on Detlef. I think those two would be fun to watch go head to head. I think that Detlef obviously is the better player, but I think that yes. they are different in how they play the game, and I think that'd be fun. I think Smith's probably overall is better than Sabonis right now. While yeah. I think Sabonis could become as good as Smith's, I just think Smith's is better. So really I think our teams going head to head against each other would be pretty fun. How would you guard my team of Rudez Goga, Barbosa, Peja, and Smith's? So uh, I believe you said Rudez was your point guard, was it? No, uh, Barbosa no. is my point guard. I'm just putting. Oh, oh yeah, I'm yeah. putting Rudez on Corey Joseph because I know he's okay. Not a okay, great okay. Uh, I mean Barbosa and Corey Joseph. I think that Corey obviously has all the defensive capabilities to to take Barbosa out. Um, at shooting guard, that's where you had. Was it uh, Pager? Yeah, that's where I have Pager. Yep. That's where you have Pager. I mean, Sarunas is not going to have the size for Pager. I believe Pager was 6'9", you right. know, 6'10". I'm big. That, that's, that, that, you are. You are. That, that, that's going to be tough. Uh, so, let's see. Who is, who's your uh, small forward? Or are you just big across the board? It's, it's Rudez and Pager are my wings. Yeah. Sarunas is going to be a liability on defense. He's okay? going to have to guard Rudez because he's just – He's going to have to. Just that's what I would do. Know, I mean, he's a three-point shooter. That's all I can do. Definitely. And obviously, Rudez's size against Corey Joseph is going to be very tough as well. So, Rudez is about 6'10, I believe. Um, so, yeah, Sarunas is going to be a liability, but he's going to guard Rudez, who you wouldn't think would kill you for, you know, a lot of points. No. The Shrimp. No. The Shrimp-Stoyakovich battle is going to be the real deal. Right. I mean, those guys are going to be letting that fly. And then over at uh, – who was your power forward again? My power forward was Goga, and I think you have Goga as well, so that would cancel each other out, so I'd have Smiths. Yeah. Smiths, yeah. So Smiths is a bonus. It's going to be tough. Um Obviously, you'd think that Smiths gets his there, but I also think that uh, Sabonis would be giving Smiths some trouble. I do, So I, I think it would be a yeah. good matchup. I, I really do. I think that would be a fun one. Hmm, but who do you think has the edge in this? Your team is, while they are very tall, I'll definitely give you that. I, I do think my team has a good balance of, of defense and scoring. Um, it's it's going to be tough. I think we're going to have to leave this voting up to the fans. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that... My Rudez and your Sarunas picks kind of cancel each other out. Yes, it depends on who yeah. you like between Barbosa and Corey more. For me personally, I think that I like Barbosa more than Corey because I think he's a better scorer. And now, if you're just looking at his picture sure. stats, uh, you know they're pretty close. I mean, Corey was seven point two, Barbosa was eight point nine points per game. Uh, more rebounds and more assists for Corey compared to Barbosa. I mean, Barbosa's a scorer, so. That's yes. one of the things. It's just they're different players. I think it'd be really fun to watch these <laughs> watch these teams. Well, let me ask you this, Fachi. Money aside, these 15 players here, 
Who would you build for your starting five all-international Pacers team? Money aside, hmm. All right, let's see. Uh, The point guard situation was so thin, it was ridiculous. I think the most talented point guard out of that list was uh, Leandro Barbosa. I think so. I, I think so. Um, so it, Corey Joseph was a dollar cheaper. I thought the value was there. <laughs> so point guard, I mean, you're going to have to go Leandro. Uh, shooting guard, I think you're going to probably have to plug and play Page in there. I think that Page had one of the, the best careers out of anyone on that list, you know, arguably maybe even the best. Um, so I'm going to put Page as that two. Uh, at three, it's got to be Detlef. I think I think Detlef Shrimp was – was definitely the best, uh, you know, three right there. And then at power forward, you know, that's where you're really walking down that, that road of – you know, I'd put Sabonis there. I would. And then I'm, I'm capping it off by putting Rick Smiths at, at center. I mean, uh, I, I think that's how I'm going to do my roster. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to go point deadlift now. This is where I'm going to get weird. I'm going to do point deadlift okay, okay. with my wings as Peja and Bojan because I just like what Bojan brought to the table. And I think he'd be a great fit with this roster. Just guys that pass the ball that can shoot. All three of those guys, Peja, Bojan, and Detlef, would be just deadly from outside. Then you've got Sabonis running the pick and roll with Smiths in the post. I would be my five right there. I, I know that I feel like we're kind of underappreciating Luis Scola and uh, somebody that really didn't get mentioned, Yamahimi, was somebody that was a huge part of the Pacers franchise. But it's just, you know, for the all-time team, they're just not there for me. I mean, it's close. I, I considered Scola a couple times, but like I said, there's so many bigs. And where he's at for $3, it just seemed like a little bit too much. He's not a premier yeah. big man, but he's not like a, a Rasha or a Goga or a Primos even for the price. So that's just kind of where it got stuff with the money. But I, I, I really like these teams, man. I think it'd be really cool just to see who fans would rank as the top five all-internationals uh, Pacers players of all time just because – we're still going to get more, you know, this isn't the end, but right now I would love to see who, who fans would vote as their all time Mount Rushmore, I guess you could say of international players. Uh, I definitely want to want to hear what the listeners uh, think would be their starting five. Uh, I really did want to get bogey in there. I really did. But for $5, it was super tough. I mean, I won't, you could not spend $5 on two guys. I had to go deadlift for five um also scola is another thing i think i let my emotions get to me i was hurt by we traded a first round pick for scola and the man was a ghost in the playoffs against the heat we brought him in there to shore up the bench and where was he this was not houston rockets Luis scola that's because he was two years older two years older but i mean come on two years can be huge Oh, of course it can. He was on the downward part of his career. I mean, what do you want him to do? He was non-existent. Yeah, okay. Well, he was uh, He was on the Suns who weren't doing anything. He was a player that when we brought him in, I think expectations were too high for him. I think they were, but he definitely didn't rise to the occasion at all. I mean, was there a, was there a Luis Scola moment for you where you said, wow, that's why I wanted Scola? Uh, there was I never got times. that moment. There were some times ah. in, the, in the regular season where he would just score these stupid little dip buckets that he'd always hook around guys and throw in these little underhand shots. But, I mean, no. I mean, at this point in his career, it's kind of like the whole thing, what we do. The Pacers get guys that have hurt them in the past two years too late. So, you know, that's why maybe in 20, you know, 
2022-2023, we're going to be signing Terrence Ross when he's washed up. You know what I mean? It's just kind of what the Pacers do. They go get guys that have beat them in the past. I mean, that's what their record says. Uh, their history shows that they've gotten guys that have hurt them, like Chris Copeland, another example. What did he really do in the playoffs? Oh, nothing. Shout out to Chris Copeland, though. Shout right. out. Hey, I'm just on the saying. Pod. I got respect. Uh, you can have respect all you want, but what I'm saying is that Chris Copeland was a guy that Pacer fans thought was going to come in and change the whole dynamic, but no, I mean, part of it was the offense. Vogel's offense was atrocious. Also, I, I believe uh, Chris Copeland's career high was against the Pacers. I think it was like 32 <laughs> points in a game. I, I, honestly, I, I'm, I'm pretty positive that that was a real thing. It's what teams but, do. When someone scores on them, they go out and get them like they're just the greatest things in sliced bread, and then it doesn't work out like they hope for. So once you see a guy more than four times a year, you know, that's when things start to become real. It's like, oh, wow, for 82 games, he's not as good as he was those three games against us. You know what I mean? So, Actually, another example of that, when Scott Pollard came on the show, he comp- he even said that he killed the Pacers in a game, and that's what caused him a trade for him. So I guess we do have a big history of doing we that. Do. So. I mean, but it's not just the Pacers. It's so many different teams. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's true. It's true. But uh, I don't know. I hope for more with Scola. But, hey. What can you do? I've moved on. Uh, Awesome, man. Well, fans, let us know what you guys think. We're going to put a little graphic out there on Twitter. We want to know what you guys would do if you had $15 to build your international Pacers team. And we want to hear from you guys. So thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. You can follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. If you like this segment, let us know in the comments. We're going to do more things like this just to kind of get more fan interaction because – Right now, it's a dead season. We want to talk about the history of this Pacers franchise. We didn't do trivia today. Didn't have any guests. But there is a chance that Mark Monteith from Pacers.com will be coming on the show. And we're going to try to see if we can bust the brains of Mark Monteith, the Pacers guru when it comes to Pacers history. See if I can come up with any questions that he might not know the answers to because the guy is just a book of knowledge when it comes to Pacers history. So until next time, you can follow me on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. You can follow my man, Mike Focci, at underscore F-A-C-C-I. Not with us today is Tyler Smith. You can follow him at Tyler Smith underscore ISL. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.